I'm Sean O'Neill, and this is Try Hard, a love letter to failure. You fuck with self-help at all? Self-help and encouragement to those who need it. Good, mo- Good morning. Joining me this week is Amber Gill. Say hello, Amber. Hey, guys. This is our first. Uh, this is our first using the Anchor app to uh, record over the phone. So there may be uh, some technical difficulties, but it's super easy. And uh, I'll add a pitch to a. A, this isn't a commercial. This is just us trying to figure out how to do the best podcast we can. Yes. Do not pay us money. All right. Amber is a comic, a host in Portland, and a musician I found out last night. Sort of. Sort of? I don't know. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't classify myself as that. But I guess I think anyone that tries to do something is doing it. How would you define yourself for our listeners? Oh, yeah. I mean, isn't that the life question? How would you define yourself? Who are you? But who are you really? Um, Why are you here? Um, Who are you? What is this? What's going on? Yeah, uh, I'm pretty obsessed with comedy and definitely have uh, gone through phases of being obsessed with music. They just seem to be the two things that make me happiest. Um, I also work as a physical therapist, although I am not working right now. So that is also a part of my life. Um, yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, 40 year old single person, very happy to be single, child free, living the Portland, never, never land life style. <laughs> you host an outdoor show in Portland. Uh... Yeah, I just started it. It's pretty new, but I, I'm hoping it works out for continuing into the fall and winter time. I was just about to say, it's just in time for the weather to change. How do you think that's going to affect everything? So I think you saw it last night, like Big Legrowski, they didn't have the covering on uh, the last few times. It was just open air. And they, they've also been slowly moving the space more and more into the street. So they've opened the space. They put on covering. Um, the place I do my mic, he actually has a little fire pit and he has some covering right now. His plan is to build out more covering. Yeah, it's just like a very quickly evolving um, protocol for like all these businesses to figure out how to do it. But yeah, you know, fire pits. We like being outdoors. It's it's plausible, assuming like the world doesn't, you know, burn down or there's no nuclear warfare, which is all very plausible. I mean, after a couple of weeks ago when we were drenched in smoke, it's yeah. not improbable that something like that will happen again. Yeah. Um, this is the perfect time to learn to live in the moment because it's almost like um, expected. Like, I do not plan for anything. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I am excited about the mic. It's. Uh, I feel like it's we're doing it in a really uh the gentleman who's the manager there is really thoughtful and really hardworking and cares about community so he's just trying to support business and like um make sure everyone's safe you know uh and just make it as as you know fun and community oriented as possible 
Well, that's beautiful. And I wouldn't encourage anyone to do something that they're not comfortable with, but as long as people are taking the uh, precautions. Yeah, I definitely yeah. like Mike. Uh, that's a big thing in marketing it too. I tend to be an over communicator in general, which men love, but um, in general, it's like, <laughs> I want people to be informed. Yeah. I want everyone to make whatever decisions they want to make. So I want to be clear, like this is the setup and, um, I, and because it's outdoors, I like that it allows a lot of space. So like, it, yeah, some people stop by and kind of like stayed far away from the like central area and like hung out, could still hear and see everything. And so, and if you, that's not comfortable, but yeah, totally. Like, I just want everyone to, yeah, know what they're walking into and, and, and feel comfortable when they're there. That's a big thing I think about hosting. I was realizing recently is uh, not about you being entertaining so much as making other people feel comfortable. Which sounds very not feminist when I say it out loud like that. But well, yeah. you don't have Post, to, I, let, let you don't have to worry about that. That's a lesson that I had to learn the hard way when I was uh, hosting for a long time. Yeah, I was literally watching tutorials about it. And they, it's a, it's something. Yeah, I kind of like remember think think about, but like, yeah, it's a good point. Like, don't. Even if you want to do a great set, like, I feel like I have a, a good set when I do them there, but it's still, like, it's not my focus. I try to think of games and stuff to play, like, um, I did something called Riff or Dare, so people could choose a Riff or, like, a Dare, which was just, like, an act out last time. So, I don't know. I just really, like, I just want it to be fun and loving. Yeah, I'm not competitive, ego-driven comic so much. You're not an ego-driven comic, which leads me to my next question. How did you get started in comedy? I mean, yeah. I think it's like I've always had, like, such a love. Uh, so there was, yeah, just, like, childhood, uh, fat kid, very awkward. My parents are very antisocial. I was so just, like, the struggle of, like, uh, you know, it was my way of making friends and, like, a coping mechanism for all the bad feelings that, I'm sure there's like early depression and stuff. Um, yeah. So I think it was just such a huge part of how I just survived and functioned as a child. And then 90s, I was like in middle school or high school. And that was a big time in uh, stand up, like coming back and like, you know, all those shows. Like, do you remember this? Like uh, Comedy Central just had a billion shows and VH1 and then just sketch comedy uh in living color uh, kids in the hall like reruns and snl all that shit was like everything to me especially yeah like depressed dark kind of childhood i was like living for that stuff were you the kid that was uh constantly doing act outs for your friends no i'm definitely i think you you probably got a feel for my humor it's pretty like the like the intermittent like dry comment you know and there's definitely been a history of just saying things to try i kind of like trying to be the class clown like trying to be funny and stuff and sometimes that lands and sometimes that was awful but like that was definitely uh people thought of me as being funny i was like a fat kid i was really good at sports now it's funny so i mean the part a bit but like I, I really did think I was a lesbian I was like all signs were like pointing that direction I was like I'm like a Rosie O'Donnell or a, like I just thought that was gonna be my thing um yeah anyway 
So yeah, you can't be funny and like Dick. Um, I mean, just like at that era too, he was like with people that I thought of women that were really funny. A lot of them are lesbians, you know. Um, yeah, it just happened to be that way. Uh, like uh, Margaret Cho, Ellen, like uh, Rosie O'Donnell was doing really well at that time. I think there's a lot of Paula Poundstone. Like I liked a lot of the female comics, but yeah, I'm, I'm like again lesbian, 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 like all of them. Um, that's a, maybe there was something and about and it in a good way. Like I'm not, yeah, you know, and maybe there was a little bit of that convention of uh, encouraging hetero women to talk about, where they ended up talking a lot about dating and blah blah blah. And I know I, I do this as well, so like full full hypocrisy aware but like yeah it's just kind of like or being a mom it's sort of these like um yeah less interesting archetypes some sometimes generalities what are your general goals for getting into uh comedy i mean we're all just doing our best to get booked but yeah i don't think it's about getting booked even like yeah so I didn't do it really until this last year. I started actually trying to do stand up. I used to do a lot of music, which was whoo, much harder for me. Um, and then comedy feels very natural when I started. A lot of people say that though. I think everything, because I thought this about music, there was no way I was going to become anything like a working musician. Like there are so many hyper talented musicians out there, and I just knew there's no way. So why would I? invest all the time that I did into it just because I love it and I want to be better at it like it makes me happy we end up doing all these things like working all the time so much time devoted to stuff that doesn't necessarily make us like bring us any you know happiness or joy so it's like I do it because I want to get better because it feels good because it connects me to people Mm -hmm. those are like that's really the only thing and the goals I said are just new experiences and new ways of experiencing that like it's I think about a podcast or like even just practicing uh, comedy writing, like sketch writing. Uh, sketch has always been a huge um, love of mine. I've taken a little improv. I'm not like a theater person, though. Oh, I'm such a theater. I person. know. I was like, no offense. As soon as I said that, I remembered you mentioned that on your podcast. I was like, no, there's anything wrong with that. Um, you know, there's definitely a divide of stand up people that are uh, drama background and those who are not. I don't take any offense to it at all. It's very <laughs> silly getting into it. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of your people in our community, like Kyle Adams and yeah. um, mm-hmm. I'm sure Amanda, yeah. Yes. Uh, let's see. I think it's... Let's see, you're a baby comic as far as it goes, just because you've been doing it for a year, maybe mm-hmm. a little more. Mm-hmm. What would you say is a uh, good bombing story? I can go first if it makes you feel more comfortable. Oh, no, I have like tons, but like you feel free to. I love bombing stories. There's definitely like a, a YouTube, like uh, Jimmy Fallon did a whole series of people just telling their like, worst bombing stories ever and i was like this is the best um yeah do you want to tell me yours i'd love to hear it well this isn't my worst bombing story but this was one of my favorites okay where i was telling some jokes about the military by the way uh you're always going to upset some people when you tell jokes about the military yeah there's certain things yep Mm -hmm. 
I, I feel like I upset more people when I tell jokes about the military than when I tell jokes about actual upsetting things like abortion, death, uh, mother issues. I think it's in the same category that, that those are all just words. As soon as you say those words, no matter what the context, no matter if the joke, people are going to start to be on guard. And then it's really, yeah, I think military is definitely just like, I feel like it has that abortion rape kind of quality. Like, ooh, you better say something really carefully. And yeah, or, you know, whatever. You can just offend people. It's not. Yeah. So I was at a bar, just like a neighborhood <laughs> bar, and I was telling my jokes, and I compared the amount of time that I spent learning something to the amount of time that people spend in Marine boot camp. Really, that was the extent of the joke. But this guy yells up that I got the number of weeks wrong and says that he's a Marine sergeant. And I say, okay, I have no comeback for that. But he yells up, women in the Marines do two extra weeks. You know why? Why? I shouldn't have asked why. Hair and makeup, he says. Oh, my God. And then he goes away for a while. He comes back in full class A uniform. Like the striped pants, the brass button jacket, Mm. the hat, the whole deal. And I can tell he's drunk, but he's just there, comes and taps on my shoulder. My set is long over, but he's there in full class A's tapping on my shoulder. And I was like, I didn't disbelieve you. You don't have to come back in costume just to prove to me that you served. Thank you for your service. Now, please move away from me. Yeah, Um I think, I don't know if this is a lesson you learned, but I feel like I would learn the lesson of, like, yeah, like, if you're going to offend people, maybe, like, people with, like a, like, a large percentage have PTSD and know how to use weapons and stuff. That's kind of a scary population to fuck with. I, I wouldn't fuck with them. Yeah, I think I fuck with them because I associate... Uh, Especially Marines, yeah. Yeah, I associate them with perhaps because of the violence in in the military and there are so many people out there to support the troops, I figure it was a safe group to make fun of a little bit. You just have to be funny. And this is always my yeah. thing about this. I think people can say whatever they want. I think you can do that. But that was like the consequence of that. And so, yeah. you know, you just like have to you figure out if it's worth it to like make that a different form that's not gonna get someone who probably had ptsd and that's totally psychotic that he came back in his uniform you know that's like i was like and then he got out a gun and he shot you like that sounds terrifying yeah honestly i think half the things i do are you know my subconscious saying you deserve a beating to you oh you think you're making fun of yourself more i think i think a lot of the things i do that end up coming back to hurt me are half intentional. Just sort of like, you know what, Sean? Hurt enough. Say something that will get someone to the point where they want to punch you. Oh, shit. That's a... I, I believe they and call your people edgelords. No wonder you're Graham's friend. Okay. Oh, I'm not an edgelord. I'm not an edgelord. Isn't I that... just... Uh... <laughs> Isn't wanting to piss people off kind of 
the definition of it? I, I think it's mostly subconscious. I don't like to piss people off. I don't like to make people angry. But every once in a while, I say something that just sort of like uh, kills the room. Hmm. And maybe that's just inexperience as a comic. Maybe I'm just not very good. But also, I think it's uh, that attraction towards danger. Yeah, definitely don't relate to that. You don't relate to that. Um, no, I don't care if I piss people off. If I feel like I, I don't know, yeah, I don't think of it like, yeah, uh, yeah. I can think of people that I think of when you say that that I see do that. So like when you say that, I can I can think of so many instances where I've seen that where it seems like. They're almost doing it so it comes back at them. And I, like, not my thing, but it's, um, yeah, interesting. Well, how about you? What's a uh, good Amber bombing story? Yeah, so, yeah, my style would be more like, um, (laughs) um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely been a, a, a few times where it just, like, felt kind of awful and then, um, I just felt bad after a little bit, but like, really, it's not too bad with comedy. I feel like it's never that painful, but, um, okay. It was Dante's and, uh, yeah, I've like depression and I have days where I'm just like edgy and unfortunately like, yeah, I've cried on some people. So I was just having a day where I was like, I don't know. And sometimes when I felt like that, I get on a mic and I feel better. And sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, I shouldn't be here. Um, sort of feeling, um, because it's a dark life anyway, but, uh, yeah, so Dante's, they do their three o'clock, uh, Mike, free pizza, just like total, I don't know if you've been to Dante's, you have, right? Oh, absolutely. I go there, chill out with Brian, do some crowd work. Yeah, so just like, it's a lot of like meth and heroin addictive folks in the middle of the afternoon in a dark, 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 dirty hole, you know, that's not not a whole lot of ladies around, you know, that sort of vibe. And uh, yeah, I could just feel it and they'll pop off. What I love about Dante's is like, like they will yell at you like mid set, like either positive or negative and you just have to learn how to like either something like engage it or just like totally ignore it it was I've learned a lot but this time I got on stage and dudes just started yelling at me right away and I just like I could just feel it I don't know I have a tipping point where it's like oh you're gonna start crying right now you're just gonna like uncontrollably cry right now like it's just a point where I'm like "Uh oh that's gonna happen so I was like yeah, I just kind of like cry that like squeaky voice said, oh, I, I don't think I can do this. And I started crying. And then everyone was like, hey, guys, like, shut the fuck up, blah, blah, blah. Like they were trying, you know, they're all like bikery alcoholics and stuff. And like, um, I was just like, I took the time, even though I was like crying to like grab pizza, though, and like put it in a, a container to take. So I was like crying, but still grabbing pizza. And people are like, are you all right? <laughs> um, I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just going to go now. I'm just going to go now. And like the like security dude followed me out. He's like, you know, honey, sweetie, are you OK? And then I'm still crying. Like, I hate this. This is like my total like emotional body um betrayal thing that happens and it's just like I don't want to be doing this you don't want to feel this I like hate it so much anyway 
went straight over to Kelly's Olympian where Drew was hosting and said, I kind of feel like I'm done crying, but could I try to do a set? And he was really nice, gave me a hug. And and I just talked about it on stage the next mic and that felt good. I was like, now I recommend it. I was like, if you guys haven't cried on stage, I'm like, you're not, you don't know what like bombing is. It's like the way to go. Um, it felt like a new bottom for me. To wow. do that in front of people you know other comedians were there enough that it was like solid I was like oh I can still feel embarrassment that's cool I didn't know I wasn't sure because I generally kind of pride myself on just feeling like a, so big of a failure that I can't be like hurt or offended too much by things no I totally get that have you ever bombed so hard that you physically felt it like oh yeah and that's right it's like a yeah totally like drop in the stomach or it's like sad and yeah yeah yeah, totally always a physical feeling yeah i was once embarrassed so bad at a mic that my muscles were sore like i had done a a strenuous workout (laughs) and got beat up and when you get back to it we don't have to be embarrassed because we're just doing our thing we're just trying stuff out I'm really not embarrassed. It's really rare. That was like the one moment I think of. It's hard for me. Even if people aren't laughing, I've been at so many. I really like bombing. I love that feeling of um, like Captain Ankeny's or Dante's would be like that sometimes. Where Like my material is like I hate men and I'm literally like performing to like the drunkest, most conservative 40-year-old like men in front of me. And sometimes they'll like still laugh at things, but I'm like, I don't expect this to go well. Like I'm just going to like, because we've all heard the like most amazing comics have bombing stories. Dave Chappelle has them recently. Like it's part of it. It's so part of it to like, I learn more from bombing than I ever do from a good set. It's the best. Whenever people like, don't like, I'm like, no, no, like embrace it. I will definitely like Bram's mics. I bomb so hard. Cause I'm like, ugh. Give me, like, a female, a gay man, a lesbian, and, like, I promise I will, like, have people that are into it. And it's just, like, different when it's different people. And but that's also part of it. It's who do you want to appeal to? And if your goal is to be commercially funny and, like, common denominator, then that's part of it. How do you get them to laugh? Mm-hmm. A lot of guys actually do like to laugh at themselves most, I think, at, at heterosexual men. Well, yeah, I mean, it's heterosexual cis men. Uh, We're at the top as far as who's who's least oppressed. And uh, it's harder to hurt our feelings just because just because we know the deck is stacked in our favor. Which is why it's always so very frightening when a guy is upset by uh, a joke, because it's just a joke and you're going to go the rest of your life and be fine. Yeah, Um, I think there's something to I think we all want to laugh at ourselves. Like, I think the audience wants to like sort of um, like one of the ideals is like to me is like a a lot of self-deprecating humor allows them to like see themselves in your story and then sort of be like, I relate to that. So I mean, like, yeah, talking about being lonely or like the difficulties of life yeah um i have to be careful with self-deprecating humor simply because sometimes when i say it i'm too much of an actor and people are like oh yeah 
that's uh, yeah i can imagine yeah I know there's a sad about. man up there it's all about yeah the how the how you do it yeah so that it's like yeah that's always fun yeah I, that's so funny yeah i think there's so many jokes where yeah i like write it out and i'm like it's a little dark and I'm like but yeah you know right away if you do it on stage and they're like oh and you're like okay it's not gonna be funny it's too sad and that's just like that's the barometer I've tried to do like jokes about crying and stuff, you know, or like this is funny, or like a little bit like suicidal. It's a little bit funny, and then if it, if that is the response, you're like, okay, oh, I know. A lot of talk about crying on this one. <laughs> That's just like one of my big quarantine hobbies right now. Uh, I miss crying, to be honest. Aww. sometimes that happens where I'm like. And then it just takes like a sad movie or I don't know. I'm very sensitive to like a lot of things, but something that sort of like triggers it and then you're off to the races. Not to sound crass or anything, but it's really hard for me to cry simply because I'm on so much antidepressant medication. Mm. So when I cry, it has to be just right. I have to time it like, hmm. like masturbation, just sort of like yeah. I have to put on the right music and uh <laughs> Uh-huh. Gonna get these feelings out. Wow. I was literally thinking that because um I can't I was just trying to remember. I've been on antidepressants. I don't remember if I could cry or not. I was still very unhappy. I remember that, but I don't remember I must have still been crying. But what I do remember is it yeah, it totally messed with your sex life, your orgasms, sort of that feeling of like I would want to and I couldn't. So I imagine that is what you're describing with crying, that it's sort of like there, but you just can't quite cry unless you like oh, yeah. really work for it so interesting that that I happens to me guess. too yeah yeah that's a common side effect i think of antidepressants which sucks i just want to get out of bed and be productive so i got to take a pill and you know suppress my feelings yeah i mean the dream is i'm like i love people that are very low in motion i'm like oh that must be nice um yeah i don't know yeah i have have very mixed feelings about medications i think sometimes very helpful and maybe sometimes too much trying things yes and i'll try all sorts of different things speaking of which do you uh are you in therapy do you try self-help yeah, so I mean, like, I've, I'm like, I've hated myself for a long time. I've always been, like, interested in how to be a better person. So there's definitely been in depression and all that. So, like, definitely been in therapy. I am not in therapy right now. I don't have health insurance, but I just got it. So I should, probably should go. I have such a mixed feeling. It's kind of like dating where it's, like, sometimes you really like your therapist and it feels good or sometimes it starts to feel like I don't know if this is working like every week and like they want this like commitment from you I don't know I have very like um and the feeling of perpetuating the narrative the talking about the shitty things that have happened to you and like you're like I'm just trying to get through my Tuesday do we have to like sit down and like talk about like the trauma again or even just like the crazy fucking daily thoughts in my head which I know is the point of it um mm-hmm. yeah I believe a lot of things help me though like um like besides weed and alcohol um I think exercise is a big thing uh finding a, like whatever exercise you like being outdoors is like a really important thing in my life mental health balance and then like the creative outlets and and connecting with people i think that's 
two of the things with the music comedy community that I value is like this connecting with people in a way that's like not, I don't know, it's working on something I like, love. Um, you know, I totally get where you're coming from because I was feeling very down for a long time and thinking of quitting comedy and just not coming back until last night when I went there and I didn't even go up, but I was surrounded by people who were pursuing their dream and being funny and uh, being it's creative. Favorite, yeah. And I fed off of that and I immediately felt better for the first time in a long time. That's like one of the theories uh, with depression is definitely like uh, a huge component of not being depressed is and it with addiction i think maybe i heard with addiction that the, being connected having a sense of feeling connected whether that's whatever your family friends community and that's definitely something i think i struggle with in life yeah i think it's a it's a it's a nice community overall mm -hmm. it's a big community i feel like there's so many people it's kind of awesome no i i love the uh, portland stand-up community even when it's bitchy and uh, it has moments, <laughs> it definitely has its. Uh, what's the word? Drama. Yes, it has drama. A lot yeah. of drama sometimes. Yeah, it's just a big group of people, I guess. I didn't have a lot of friends in high school, but I imagine this is what high school was like. I was like, I don't know. This person told me this thing and like what's going on. And like, I know so many people and it's interesting, but yeah. Um, overall, I think it's fairly positive as far as these types of scenes go. I didn't have a lot of friends in high school either. What I had was Adderall and projects. Mm -hmm. Sounds productive. Oh, yes. I'm still finding notebooks full of, you know, half ideas and uh, lists of things that I wanted to do and monologues I wrote for myself when I was bored in theater classes. Nice. You should you could revisit some of that as part of your podcast. Absolutely. Because the whole idea of uh, Try Hard is to pursue things even if you don't think they'll go anywhere just because the act of pursuing things is what should give you joy yeah um speaking sorry i was thinking about that marine uh, you mentioned earlier um I was gonna mention. I was gonna mention to you. I don't know if you're aware of the podcast, uh, "The Hilarious World of Depression." It's one of my favorite podcasts right now. It's really good. It's kind of in the vein of a little bit around what you're doing, but like, uh, it, it's like been around for a minute. Um, it's a comedian, like comedy writer that hosts it, but he has all these different um, guests on. My my favorite so far has been like. Uh, Andy Richter, Jen Kirkman, and Neil Brennan were like three that I really enjoy. And they just talk about their history of depression and how it relates to comedy. And and it's really mainly about them talking about their like mental health. Uh, Miriam Bamford's on it. Um, it's I was so just about to say, I listened to the Andy Richter episode. With uh, Maria Bamford? Oh, the, the Hilarious World of Depression with... Uh, the Her Hilarious World of Depression, the Andy Richter episode. Yeah, I love him. I think he... I 
loved him like when he, uh, early on, but I find him extremely funny. And God, he's so like self, mm-hmm. super fucking successful in the most like com- you know conventional sense. Like that's success, and that just shows you that that's why you shouldn't, in my opinion, strive for what you think is like the top. Because like, look at the top. People are not necessarily happy when they get there. Sometimes they're more sad than ever. Like you should just be happy with what you're doing and much as you can. Yes. Conan is not a happy man. Oh yeah. He's the, yeah, he's fascinating. He's fascinating. Um, Uh, But yeah. So you listen to the Andy Richter episode. So it's so good, right? Like, yes things like they talk about their childhood a lot and i'm like oh yeah i was like a depressed child like i see they'll kind of like point to certain things i'm like oh it's just like really interesting neil brennan's episode talks a bunch about all kinds of things he tried for his depression so like antidepressants didn't work and he tried ketamine at one point he tried um electro uh, electroshock therapy um yeah it's really interesting Mm-hmm. You know Neil Brennan. Oh yes, I'm a huge fan of Neil Brennan. In fact, I just started listening to his uh, his podcast yesterday. He used to do. I haven't listened to a new one. He used to do one with Moshe Kasher. Sorry, this is not good for your podcast. Uh, he used to do one with Moshe Kasher called um, Challenge, where they had all like African American guests. It was really good, ah. really good. And if you go back to it it's there's like a bunch of episodes but i listened to all of them like uh yeah anyway i had no idea that neil brennan had been writing for as long as he did it turns out he wrote on all that which was one of my favorite shows when i was a little kid yeah that is a long time ago yeah and we know like half baked and stuff was sort of his like Chappelle meeting but yeah he's yeah he's older that makes sense he's really good he got started really young. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are like, uh, yeah. Pete Davidson, Eddie Murphy all like started when they were like 16, 17. I love those stories. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that keeps me going is finding out about people who had success late in life. Sure. Like, like Rodney Dangerfield. Rodney Dangerfield and uh, Lewis Black. Oh. Yeah, like, what is success and, like, yeah. But, yeah, that's sort of true, too, though, that this is not. <laughs> I thought, like, music, there's so many components and, like, what you look like in music is a factor. And I feel like even in comedy, it's, like, that's kind of, like, not important at all. You can look like whatever. So, like, I don't know. Yeah, there isn't really a timeline on it. Yeah, and it's all perspective. Like, I was bummed when I was thinking about that. I'm like, why did I start so late? 30, like 39. And then I think about what my voice would be like. I have a, I believe I have a very strong voice. I'm very comfortable saying mm-hmm. what I think. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and I am kind of smart in ways and have, I think, unique thoughts. Uh, so, but like that compared to my 21 year old self, I was like, oh yeah, I can't even imagine. Definitely not confident. Like, I don't know didn't know what I thought about a lot of things yeah I can't imagine if I how good I would have been or if I like what I would have said at 20 or something you know no I totally get that I didn't or have enough life experience to be yeah. funny at, uh, Wasn't at cool like enough. 19 20 something yeah 
so I think it's all like just a spectrum and if it like just be on the spectrum as long as you want to and if it's not fun if it stops being fun do something mm-hmm. else yeah don't worry not- we don't even know if the world's gonna be here in a day or two I'm like it's been very actually there's been a weird sort of like comfort to me in that I'm like everything is so in the moment there is no future to worry about but like that's how I'm treating it I mean, we grew up in a post 9-11 world, uh, me slightly more so than you, but uh, How where do you? I'm 32. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, I remember being in middle school and watching the towers fall because the teachers insisted upon it. And uh, yeah, yeah. Remember, oh, they were showing this in the Challenger footage that like, yeah they were like all the kids in school were watching they're like the challenger is going up and they all just watch it launch and just explode and they're like wait what like they show all the families are there it's just like this whole thing where they're like like everybody's gonna watch it and it's just like yeah you just traumatized all those children yeah that had to have been a traumatizing event very yeah there's a new netflix series on it so i don't know Free time you have, but it's pretty like fun to go through like how you know everyone's getting excited and like they literally yeah had buses of children coming in like a field trip like to come and watch it launch and, and they were in their classrooms watching on TV and it is like super traumatic because it's like the um, like the Olympics so they like you know oh this person they show their family and how loving they are you know all these astronauts who you feel like you know them now. And they go up into the, and it's so exciting and everything should be okay. And then just boom, it just like explodes. Do you feel like that's why the media has been less interested in space travel and like NASA in the past 10 years or so? Maybe that probably, that was probably a shift in trust for sure. That was like really disturbing. And like when they go through the whys, because that's a big part of the documentary, it is kind of like, because this part was manufactured here and we thought they were doing their job. But just like anything, all systems are just made of people um, until we're fully AI, which is looking sooner than later. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it's just like uh, I work in hospitals and it's like people want to just have this like unbelievable trust in these systems. And I'm like, it is just people. That doctor is a person. You better hope he's having a good day. He's not psychotic, you know, like, and the nurse who has like 12 children, you know, it's just like, these are all just people doing their best, but like mm-hmm. anything can go. I'm such a, I'm such a, that's such a depressed, uh, anxious person. I'm like, anything can go wrong at any time. I'm like, don't be attached to anything. It's all probably going to fail. Um, that's kind of my feel about failure. It's like inevitable. So like lean in. Absolutely. Cause it what is fun. Doing? Oh, sorry. No, 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 it's okay. It's fun. I was going to say the flip side is fun. It's almost like the adrenaline rush of when you get back, you know, the ups and downs. That's probably not a healthy attitude. I just enjoy like highs and lows. <clears throat> what have I been doing? Not what much. have you been doing to keep yourself busy? Are you learning a new project, uh, learning a new skill, doing a project of some kind? Not really. Like, um, yeah, I definitely feel like I've wasted this quarantine i don't know i've been like doing a lot I'll, I'll still i've still been just writing jokes a lot and like um obviously trying to get this 
mic going and like did a lot of the Zoom stuff. Um, I was running a mic on Zoom for a minute, but then started to really not like certain comics that I was seeing over and over again and their material that I was hearing over and over again. So I was kind of like, sorry, that sounds really mean, but I was just like, such, I just, uh, yeah, needed a break from it. Um, I, I didn't mean, yeah, not that I'm like judging everyone, but you know, it's the zoom experience. I don't know if you had any, uh, did any zoom mics? I've done exactly one zoom show. Yeah. And it was, uh, Malia best, Maria best, Melina uh, best. Melina, thank you. Melina Best's yeah. show about uh, elders. Oh, so you I were just there. told stories. Yeah, there. I told stories about my grandparents and uh, stuff yeah. that I wouldn't necessarily do in my own stand up set, but it was just fun to be among friends talking about old people. Yeah, I really like that she did that. Something I really like about her, she is like very, uh, has a very like unique material and. Uh, definitely a unique cadence and quirkiness thing going oh she's a ray of positivity <laughs> i love it she's she's definitely theater people i can see that yes um so yeah i mean i feel like i'm just kind of also it's like i just kind of end up quitting my job thinking i would probably find something soon but it just sort of went from bad to worse in terms of like corona and um, the fires and all that. So I'm still looking for a job, but um, I really enjoy the downtime. It makes me a happier person. I don't handle stress well, which is like a big part of working mm -hmm. full time. Well, I hope you find something. Yeah. So the balance. Yeah. And then, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I've been like, I turned 40. That was fun. And then I started, I did start skateboarding. I've been playing music and stuff. You started skateboarding I'm at 40? Like, yeah. We're in Portland. It's totally <laughs> normal here. I'm sorry. I was making jokes about basically like I'm Peter Panning. I'm having a midlife crisis. Uh, but it's also really funny how many adults I can find to just be like, hey, do you want to skateboard? Like how many adults I know that have skateboards like in their 30s are totally willing to meet me possibly in the middle of the night at a playground like that's I can think of like five people like off the top of my head it's not even that uncommon here um I'm not doing anything crazy I used to skate a long time ago it's just really fun and I like believe in exercise you know it's something active and social I just think you should always just choose something you enjoy so like it's nice my exercise routine is really depressing what is it I have a book. No, well, I have a book about it's calisthenics written by really a guy in prison. Cal I uh, my exercise routine is based off of a book written by a convict about calisthenics. So my exercise routine is just a little bit depressing. Okay, really quick before it cuts off. Yeah, I'll be quick. Do you, do you have any advice? or your past self or any of the tryhards out there? Yeah, just like uh, embrace the failure. Life is failure. Uh, like the sooner you jump into it, the better. Like if there's something you want to try, just try it. And don't give a fuck what anyone else thinks. You can beat that.
That's great advice. Just throw caution to the wind. Yeah, really don't give a fuck. Yeah. All right. Now, where can our listeners find you, Amber? Yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram, uh, Instagram at, uh, at Gil Amber, G-I-L-L-A-M-B-E-R. I also have a TikTok account, account at Ambam, T-Y, ma'am. Um, check that out. Um, yeah, that's it. And Facebook, Amber Gill. Thank you, Amber Gill. You've been a fantastic guest, and Thank I you, hope Sean. that. All right. I really enjoyed talking to you. Me too. Thank you for having me. Thanks for taking time out of your day. (laughs) Okay. I'll talk to you later. Talk to you.